Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. My name is Stephen Kohler. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome today somebody I am honored to call my friend, my mentor, longtime collaborator, and dear leader friend, Howard Brandeiske. Howard, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you for those kind words. Oh, absolutely. It was my pleasure. And uh, for our audience purposes, I got to meet Howard, gosh, going back to 2001, 2002, approximately, uh, when he had the good fortune of interviewing with him uh, to work at Kraft Foods. Howard also happened to be an alum to the same university I went to for business school, University of Chicago, go Maroons, <laughs> and uh, have considered him a dear friend and mentor ever since. And I'm also honored to have him on my firm, Audira Labs. Uh, board of Advisors. So I'm just so grateful, Howard, that you were kind enough to join us today. Well, th thank you for having me. Now, um, for our, our listeners' benefit, you've had an amazing leadership journey. Uh, and I, I know I won't cover all the highlights, but in addition to you know a, a very extensive corporate career, uh, you are a parent, uh, you are a mentor, you are a volunteer, just, just to name a few. Would you mind providing a quick uh, background for our listeners today? Well, you know, first from the, the career point of view, I've spent uh, my entire career, 36 years in the consumer products industry, uh, actually you know, mo mainly in marketing roles, but I started my career in finance, which I'm very proud of. Uh, started my career with uh, a company that no one's heard of anymore, which is General Foods oh, yeah. with Kraft. And so I think of myself as a Kraft person and spent um, over 20 years at Kraft, um, number of different business units, number of great brands. And it was just what a wonderful uh, 20 plus years, met great people like yourself and uh, really a formative experience uh, in my career. Then after that, I uh, went to a company called John B. Sanfilippo and Son, family run nut business, maker of Fisher Nuts, as well as a number of other uh, fine nut brands. Also a big provider of private label products to um, the retail trade and uh, also service, food service and industrial um, um, manufacturers. So uh, spent 10 years there, which was a, a great uh, experience. And now I am um, with Phoenix Strategic Advisors, a boutique consultancy uh, focused on the middle market. Um, and um, you know, our goal is to help our clients accelerate uh, profitable growth. So that's the professional life. Um, you know, and personally, yeah, two kids, uh, two wonderful kids. Um, who has uh, been a joy uh, to watch grow up and very proud of both of them. And then I've had the pleasure of, uh, you know, getting involved in some um, um, volunteer organization, serving on your advisory board, which is an honor. So uh, certainly try to keep myself busy. Um, appreciate the opportunity to do all that. Well, Howard, you, um, you are just an absolute delight to, uh, to learn from and to collaborate with. And on that point, given the, you know, the many experiences you've had as a leader, uh, and this continues, I'm sure for you, what are two or three of the, the key leadership lessons you've learned along the way that you might share with our listeners today? Well, um, you know, I think, you know, there was uh, earlier in my career, I think it was, uh, you know, the fashionable leadership model, if I can call it that was, I think what is sometimes called the, the great man or the great woman model of leadership, this notion that you need uh, someone uh, with great charisma uh, someone who's all-knowing, someone who's indispensable to the organization, you know, you know the Jack Welch model, if you will. And um, when I think about the great leaders that I've had the pleasure of knowing, watching, working with over the course of my career, you know, I think that uh, is a flawed model. And I'm certainly not the first uh, to say that. The great leaders are the, the ones 
who have, um, I think, uh, demonstrated more of what I think is sometimes called, uh, you know, servant leadership, mm. being um, more concerned about the success of the team, being um, more humble, uh, more uh, more authentic. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the people who've done that, you know, they achieve a couple of different things. Or do, you know, one is that they earn the trust of their teams and they do it by being uh, accessible, approachable, and really having their, their teams back, um, not throwing them under the bus at the uh, most inopportune time. Second thing is they know that their job uh, isn't to uh, have all the answers necessarily, it is to remove the obstacles and make their team successful. And then finally, it's really to help the team believe in themselves, um, you know, by, uh, you know, asking questions, but taking their ideas, incorporating the ideas, showing appreciation, and really cheering the team on. And I think the, uh, the, the great leaders that I've, you know, been inspired by through my career uh, have exhibited uh, all those traits. I love that. You know, amen to, to first of all, uh, thank you for kind of highlighting the shift that a lot of us have seen or perhaps grew up with in terms of what leadership used to mean mm -hmm. 20, 30, 30 years ago to what it is now um, from that all knowing kind of, you know, uh, view of things uh, to much the opposite now, which is uh, the humility, uh, the certain leading from behind in terms of servant leadership. That's so powerful. As you mentioned, you've had the great opportunity to work on some amazing brands, some amazing organizations throughout that way. What do you think from a leadership and organizational leadership perspective, what made those organizations different in the way they led versus maybe other brands that you've seen? Well, you know, uh, for an organization to be successful, I think uh, it has to have a clear vision of where it wants to go clear strategies on how to get there, and then um, a set of values that, you know, holds the team together, motivates the team, uh, inspires the team. Uh, but those things, um, though necessary uh, by themselves, are insufficient. I think what leadership uh, brings to the party at that point would be um, to really stay true to it, to model it. Um, which I think we all know is easier said than done. Very easy to articulate a set of uh, strategies, but then uh, the first time um, you know you hit a, a rough quarter, you're not making your numbers, and along comes some short-term fix that's maybe off strategy. Uh, unfortunately, it's all too easy to leap at that um, at that short-term fix, but it also undermines. Your, your credibility uh, as a leader. Even worse, I think, is when an organization um, articulates a set of values, but it turns out those values are merely um, aspirational rather than values that are being lived by the organization. And really the responsibility for that, I think, does start very much at the, at the top uh, of the house. And, you know, the key then for leadership then is to continue to think long-term and to um, really live the values. And the ones that have done that are the ones that I've seen be, uh, you know, lead successful organizations, successful brands, successful teams. Beautifully said, Howard. And, and I think we've all seen those examples where, you know, metaphorically speaking, we're walking down the halls of an organization. They have those values on a poster and they're beautifully articulated. And yet we all know situations where people aren't walking that that talk, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate you called that out. 
Now, in your experience, what are some of the, the biggest obstacles or traps uh, to either organizations or individual leaders to, to leading effectively? Well, first of all, when we say leaders, I think, you know, um, uh, I'm thinking about everybody in the organization. I think everybody can be a leader. Everybody should be a leader. Uh, maybe everybody's leadership role isn't uh, quite equal. I'm not going to pretend that it is, but everybody can play some kind of leadership role. And um, so I think that's one thing to keep in mind as I, as I think about the answer to that, that question. And I, and I think the answer to your question also flows from the, the last uh, question that you had in the discussion we had. And I think the first thing that comes to mind is you know, the culture of an organization can um, actually uh, serve as an obstacle if it's, if, it's, um, if it's not quite right. If you've got people at the top of the house who are creating a culture of blame instead of one of trust, if you've got a uh, organization where the you know uh, leadership at the top is creating a command and control culture instead of um, one that you know removes obstacles and empowers people, if you've got a culture that uh, makes em employees, team members fearful instead of motivated, inspired, and inspired, you know you've got a culture that's now an obstacle to. Uh, people playing their proper leadership role because uh, it's uh, you can try and you should, but um, if the whole culture is that way, it's hard for uh, individual leaders, pretty lower in the organization, to swim against that tide. So that's one that I think it goes back to my comment about the values and 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 with that, the close cousin of that is that you know is obviously the culture, uh, and that's very much I think. Um, up to the uh, the top of the house of leadership to uh, model for the organization, but you know there's some other obstacles as well. Again, building on some of the uh, earlier discussion, the pressure to achieve uh, short-term goals. Uh, now, you'd like to think that the uh, pressure, the need to hit a short-term goal, should inspire even greater leadership because that's when you need it most. Mm. But all too often, uh, we we I think we see the opposite. The reality is, you know, some of what we would term kind of the ideal leadership qualities are the easiest to uh, exhibit and model during, you know, when things are going great, right? Uh, well when said. things are going along fantastic. It's when uh, you hit that quarter uh, or that year where you are falling short of those numbers, you are just not hitting it. That's where the real test comes in, um, I think, uh, for leaders. So I think that that uh, pressure to achieve this short-term goal if, if I don't know if it's maybe maybe obstacle, it's more of a landmine that you have to watch out for. And then that, and 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 then the, the last one I'll give you because I think we got to be honest here is you know personal ambition uh, because we you know uh, when I think about the great leaders and we're again building on what we already talked about they've shown um, you know trust appreciation they've tried to um, share credit express that uh, people on the team are valued. But sometimes um, in pursuit of one's individual uh, personal goals, their own personal ambition, you know, uh, people forget uh, to uh, share the credit, express the appreciation, acknowledge the, um, the all the other people who contributed. So, again, uh, I, I, I don't know if obstacles the best. Maybe that one's another a landmine, but those are kind of watch outs, I think, um, in trying to uh, be the best leader that you can. I love that. There's there's so many powerful things in in what you said. I mean, in no particular order, the fact that you talked about um, first of all, we can all be leaders. That leadership, you know, Audira and and we have talked about this, right? Like leadership uh, has little to do with what your your formal title is or where you are in an organization. It's so much about uh, your your values, as you spoke about. The next thing you you know, one of the next things you highlighted is is the old adage that you know culture 
eats strategy for breakfast and right. <laughs> can so much get in the way, right? And then uh, kind of your later point about ego, um, there's actually a quote uh, from the Stoicists and they talk about ego is the enemy. And so often that we, we uh, can allow our own egos or ambition, as you say, to get in the way of leadership. And then you also the highlighted that, you know, leadership is truly tested, uh, not in the best of times, but in the most challenging of times, right? That's a yeah. great point. And one last you know, thought on this is I, I feel uh, compelled to say, which is by answering you know, these questions the way I'm answering them, I do not want to pretend for a minute that I've been perfect at all these things for the 36 years of my career. In fact, I am sure I haven't been. Uh, and I'd like to think that as time went on and with, with the benefit of time, I've, I got better. And certainly now, you know, being, looking backward uh, at the 36 years, you can, I can think of times when I did it well and times when maybe not so much. So I just want to be, uh, I, I want to come clean for your audience. Uh, my, my answers to these questions do not mean to suggest that I've done uh, all of this, uh, anything close to perfectly myself. So I'll try as I might. Well, let me say on your behalf, Howard, that's, that's beautiful because you're demonstrating humility, uh, which of course, is we just talked about, is kind of a beautiful characteristic. So thank you for kind of uh, being an emblematic representative of that. Now, you know, one of the things that I think all of us have read, and I'd love to get your take on, uh, is one of the byproducts economically market-wise from the pandemic is what we've heard called the great resignation. So you have a lot of incredible talented leaders exiting organizations for any number of reasons. From your experience, both on the corporate side now as an advisor, strategic advisor, uh, what tips might you have for organizations struggling with how to attract, develop, and retain talent? Yeah, so uh, I'm not sure I have a whole lot of insight to add beyond what you know might be obvious to most people, but I, I guess I'll make a few comments. One is, so you know, the obvious tactical thing that organizations need to do is you know uh, give employees more flexibility. They want more flexibility. Many employees, not all, many employees got a lot more flexibility during the pandemic because they were able to work from home, uh, which gave them uh, more work-life balance, uh, even gave them to some degree greater flexibility of when they worked. And uh, I think that, um, you know, to pull back on that now is just going to be problematic. There was a time when that wasn't possible because we didn't have the technology, uh, but now we do. And the one of, you know, if you're looking for kind of positive things coming out of the pandemic, it kind of forced organizations to give it a try. And they figured out, boy, not all roles, but many roles many jobs, um, it could work. And so now that it has been proven to be possible, it's going to be hard to unwind that, particularly for younger employees that expect that. But uh, we also have to recognize that not all um, employees and all people and all team members are in jobs or roles that are going to let them work from home. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think I would suggest a couple of things. Well, number one, even for those who can work remotely, um, if you've got a team that can allow you know, more of that than you did pre-pandemic. But um, I, I would say organizations are going to have to figure out ways to still pull that team together once in a while to create some kind of team esprit de corps, team camaraderie. Um, there's something that gets lost when you're doing all this stuff uh, remotely. So, I, and as I've talked to a lot of people, uh, what they've told me is, yeah, they want the option and the ability for more flexibility, but that doesn't necessarily mean in most cases that they wanna be home 100% of the time. And I think that's a good thing. Again, I think or, uh, teams have to come together uh, as a team um, to really bond. 
But the other thought, the last thought on this would be that because not everybody, not everybody's going to have the ability to work remotely because of the nature of their jobs. I think organizations that need to step back and then ask themselves kind of what's the larger thing that um, people are looking for. And to me, the, you know, the greater flexibility is what they're looking for, but that can mean different things to different people. But it's also um, the feeling of being trusted, respected, and valued. When you let somebody, you know, when you say, I, you know, you can work from home, it, to me, that's a, it's a, it's a sign of trust mm-hmm. and it's a, a sign of caring. Well, for your employees that can't work from home for, because of the nature of their jobs, what are the other ways that you can demonstrate the trust, the appreciation, the fact that you you value them. So I think that's the uh, what's incumbent on the part of uh, organizations going forward. I love what you just said, Howard. That's uh, so profound. It's, you know, I think we sometimes miss when people have articulated greater flexibility, what is often underneath the surface of that. There is obviously their their lifestyle that they're trying to juggle there's also a huge message around trust and empowerment and delegation, right? That's at play um, in, in that dialogue between the employee and the organization. That's such a great point. Now, if I may, on beha- uh, your behalf, I just want to highlight um, that I believe one, one of the many talents that you, you bring the world, Howard, is your passion for mentorship. I've benefited from that for, for many years. Uh, and if I may say, I think you're an amazing uh, embodiment of the idea of a true mentor from a leadership perspective. What have you learned about the importance or maybe the, the value of being a mentor uh, during your career? Well, um, you know, I think we all need mentors. We all need people to give us advice. Uh, sometimes uh, we want somebody we can go and, and um, you know, um, bounce things off of and um, you know, talk to people who've maybe kind of traveled the road before us um, to help us on our way. I've certainly tried, uh, enjoyed doing that for other people. You know, the thing I enjoy the most is when I see, um, uh, you know, people uh, succeed. So uh, very gratifying to, um, uh, you know, have the chance to, you know, work with people and see them achieve whatever goals they have in mind. You know, lately I've been helping a lot of people who uh, have been in transition, kind of looking mm-hmm. for new uh, career opportunities. And certainly when they land that new job, uh, that's very uh, gratifying to see. But I think about, you know, through my career, helping people, you know, you know, uh, you know do the things that they um, need to do to uh, achieve their goals, whether it be a promotion across lateral moves, something like that. But I think we all need someone to help point the way a little bit in terms of how is it done. And, and I always tell people also, like, you know, you're, what you're getting from me is a, a sample size of one. Hmm. Uh, don't talk to a lot of people. And then you, you, you yourself will kind of put that all together and figure out the right path for you. But it, it's um, always helpful, I think, to be able to um, uh, ask other people for their advice, their perspectives. It, it stimulates your own creativity and ideas and uh, helps you figure out uh, um, kind of where you want to go next hmm. and how you want to do it. Well, to, uh, to bridge on that many, many, many moons ago, when I was uh, seeking some guidance from you, you touched on the importance of passion as it relates to the path that we may be on professionally and <laughs> the impact that can have on leadership. What's your view on passion? Well, you know, if you don't have passion, um, you know, uh, for what you're trying to do, then uh, nobody else on your team is going to be passionate about it either. And if you're not you know, if they don't, you know, if they're not passionate, uh, they're not going to believe that they can do it. If they don't believe they can do it, they're not going to do it. So, you know, in that sense, you know, 
some level of passion uh, is a, a requirement for uh, achieving successful results. And uh, to me, you know, part of it is, um, you know, passion is kind of a close cousin of fun. And it's kind of sometimes odd for people to think of, you know, work uh, as fun. Though passion comes in anything, but we're kind of talking more about people's careers right now. So I'm going to keep it to the, the kind of the whole work thing. But, um, you know, when you come to work, you should be passionate because you should be trying to have some fun. Now, it's fun in the context of, hey, I'm working for a living <laughs> and I've got, you know, and, and, and some of what that entails. But if you if you're not having fun, uh, I used to tell my kids, you know, you better find something fun to do uh, as your career, because if you don't, it's not a career. It's a prison sentence and it's a long one. So, you, you know, I think you got to, you know, if, and if you're not if you're not having some fun at what you're doing, if you're not enjoying the challenge, enjoying the success, enjoying the people you work with, if you, you know, if you're not having that passion for, for, for what you're all trying to do, you're probably doing the, 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 the wrong thing. You're in the wrong line of work. So, I mean, it's a long life. Uh, I go find something else to do because uh, you don't want to do something you're not enjoying for 40 years. It's uh, it, to your point. You don't want a prison sentence. I love that. <laughs> That's great. Um, last quick question. You uh, speaking to passion at the beginning of the uh, of the discussion here, Howard. You talked about a number of things you're doing outside of uh, your day job, so to speak. What are one or two things that you might share that you're actively passionate involved with uh, outside of work? Well, thank you for that because I'm going to take the opportunity to uh, plug a nonprofit that I'm involved with as a board member, which is Markland. So Markland serves individuals who have profound developmental disabilities and uh, special care needs. They have three campuses um, in, uh, in the broad area, each one with its own day school, as well as community day program. And I gotta tell you this, the great team at Markland from the caregivers, the nurses, the teachers, the key administrators, all of them, they do such a uh, phenomenal job uh, taking care of uh, the people in, in, in their trust and uh, it's particularly, I tell you, through this pandemic, it's been inspiring uh, to watch them. It's inspiring to be, you know, involved with them. And, you know, the organization has a, a vision and even I'd call it a promise, which is to make everyday life possible for individuals with profound disabilities. And part of that is, um, you know, uh, part of, of making that a reality, I guess I would say, is uh, trying to figure out uh, new ways to make that a reality, to ever expand uh, the services it provides. So, I mean, it started out with uh, the different uh, residential services expanded into community day services and day schools. And we're looking at other ways to expand how we're going to serve uh, this population. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm just very you know, proud uh, to be part of that organization in a small way and contributing whatever way I can. The real heroes there are, of course, again, these these caregivers on the front lines, the nurses, uh, the teachers, um, the administrators, I mean, they are doing a phenomenal work um, with a, um, a group of folks that, uh, that, that need help. And anyone out there listening to this who is so inspired to help um, Markland, uh, we'd certainly appreciate it. Go to www.markland.org and uh, there's certainly the ways to donate and other ways to get involved, but it's a great organization and certainly, um, uh, an honor for me to be um, uh, part of it and contributing in some way. So inspiring, Howard. Thank you for sharing that. We'll be sure to, to get the word out as, as well uh, to help you. <laughs> and once again, shows how you're leading uh, from behind from that leadership servant perspective. Uh, Howard, thank you so much for your time today. It was truly inspiring. We really appreciate it. 
and can't wait to uh, continue to follow all of your efforts going forward. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Good seeing you.